What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome, everybody. It is Wednesday. We are talking NFL Draft right now on Fantasy Football Today. Excited to talk about the quarterbacks and the running backs. Next week, we'll break down the wide receivers and the tight ends. I'm Adam Azer. Hello, Dave Richard. What's up, Adam? Yeah, keep I don't know it. why I sang. Let's keep it going for Heath Cummings. Heath. Yeah, uh, this is weird. Sing. <laughs> sing, a Heath. Sing. <laughs> I just, you know, just bring it the energy. And we're joined. We're finally joined by Ryan Wilson, NFL Draft Oracle for CBS Sports. I I put in uh, synonyms for expert in Google and Oracle was one. Yeah, I think we're going to use that for. I feel like the old lady from the Matrix who's smoking a cigarette, eating cookies at her table or whatever there. I'll take that. Mm. Okay, I only seen it once. Uh, Don't remember that scene. Um, Welcome, Ryan. Uh, where, Where were you? Uh, much like that scene, Adam, I think you're saying I'm forgettable. Uh, I get that. You know what? Here's the thing. So I got home late last night because, um, as Dave pointed out, I was I was doing some draft stuff uh, in your neck of the woods. Got home late last night. We had a new puppy, which is great timing, by the way. So I was out getting stuff for the puppy, and then I had to sneak into the house to make sure I didn't rouse the puppy from the crate because he goes crazy and yells and screams. Uh, luckily, the thank you guys for pushing it back a few minutes. I took the puppy out. He did his business. Lured him back into the crate. Moon walked out of there, and he has yet to make a peep, although you may hear him at some point screeching and yelling. Oh, that's no problem, because Schaefer's dog is going to be barking, too, so you guys can have a contest. There you go. Uh, little little puppies. Uh, you can hear Ryan on the With the First Pick podcast. Make sure you check that out. Ryan and Rick Spielman and other guests, great podcasts get you ready for the NFL draft, which is rapidly approaching. First question is going to be for all of you. I'm going to let Ryan answer first. It is a, a fantasy football question, but... Uh, who should fantasy managers select with the first pick in a Superflex Dynasty rookie-only draft? Okay, so if it's not Superflex, I think everyone's going to say Bijan Robinson. But if it is Superflex, and I'm just going to say this is a startup, 
So nobody can say, well, it depends on who's on your team. Who is your number one player in a rookie-only Superflex Dynasty draft? Or, or, yeah, 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 that's the question. Okay. Okay, so as we know, every year I have to explain to you guys that I'm not a fantasy guy. So you, I, I, I can tell you everything about these players, of course, in the draft. Give me a 15-second overview of what you want to do, what's your target when you start when you have the first pick in this such draft. All right, Heath, uh, explain the question. Um, you know, I, I think like the, an elite running back, an elite quarterback is the most valuable thing in a super flex league. Patrick Mahomes gotcha. is the the most valuable player okay. in a super flex dynasty league. So that's the easiest way to say it. Um, okay. Super flex is you very, start two quarterbacks. A very good quarterback, um, like the number six quarterback will get taken after probably Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. Ooh. Would have said Jonathan Taylor at the beginning of this year. Um, oh. oh, so um, it's the the best running back generally would be somewhere around the number five or six quarterback in the entire league. It's not the number five or six quarterback in this. Let draft, me ask no, one so. more clarifying follow-up question. Would uh, a Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave have been a good pick 12 months ago? That's the number one pick, or is that not rich enough in terms of productivity? Not rich enough. Not rich enough. Okay. Um, no. Who would have been? Brees Hall. Yeah, Brees Hall was number one last year. Okay. But the quarterback yeah. stunk last year, so... Right. Right. Okay, so, so I'm going to yeah. make it simple. I, I, the reason I asked that question, Heath, is because Jackson Smith and Jigba has a chance to be like a production workhorse early on. Right. But you scared me away there with the... with. When Dave sort of said not enough. So I'm going to go easy. Bryce Young, Carolina Panthers, he's going to start from day one. You have Frank Reich. You have Jim Caldwell on staff. You have the new offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown, coming from the Rams. And the word, so I heard CJ was their guy prior to the trade up um, and before the pro days that they really liked CJ. And then they went up. I thought maybe this was going to get. And then we've gone through the pro day circuit and I've heard murmurings of Bryce Young. But I think at the end of the day, we don't really know. I would take Bryce. And you talked about that quarterback class last year, Adam, not being great. And in fact, it was closer to terrible. Only Kenny Pickett and went 20th and went trade up. Next quarterback went third round. Bryce Young, for me, I would take. He, he feels the most NFL ready of the group. I like CJ Stroud, but not as much as Bryce because Bryce can do things um, with fewer weapons around him. And that's all that CJ had around him were weapons. Okay, Heath, you got the first pick in your dynasty rookie only super flex draft. Who are you taking? Well, this is a very odd scenario you're describing where we're doing a rookie-only draft with no other players on our roster before the NFL draft happens. I would not suggest that anyone who runs the <laughs> Dynasty League do this. <laughs> um, but I, I would – right now, I would go Bijan um, just because I think you're probably getting five years of an elite running back. I'm not – I'm not certain right now that I believe any of these quarterbacks are going to be elite fantasy producers. Um, now, the the one thing that might change my mind, because I, I do have Bryce Young and Stroud ahead of Richardson right now, but if Richardson was the first or second overall pick, and we hear he's starting this year, then what he does on the ground is so valuable for fantasy that I, I'd probably push him up into that number one pick. But right now, I, I don't think people – Rightly, fantasy analysts are super excited about Anthony Richardson. I still, it seems like there's still a chance that he's like the draft day faller. And it's like, why were you guys talking about him as a top five pick? Oh no, he's available late in the first or something like that. And so if that happens, then Richardson's floors obviously is nothing. So let me ask this follow up since you mentioned Anthony Richardson. Uh, two years ago, I think it was, was Justin Fields a guy that you would take first? Well, no, no because Trevor Lawrence was there. Right. Trevor gotcha. Lawrence oh, is right. one of those can't miss prospects. Is, is, right. 
Will Justin Fields be uh, among the first round picks? Among yeah, the- he would have oh, been right sure, after yes. Lawrence. Yes. Okay, got you. Because I, I asked that because I think Justin Fields' first year upside is higher than Anthony Richardson's just because he played a lot. Right. Anthony Richardson's going to have to get all these yards basically on the ground. I feel like as a rookie. Yeah, right. but. Jamar Chase probably would have gone, and Kyle Pitts may have even gone ahead of okay, Justin okay, Fields. Yeah. We're, we're, this question, so yes, Heath, it is an awkward question because it's not a very common thing. But the question is, just without without team need, who's the best player right now before we even know where they go in a super flex league? You're saying Bijan Robinson. Dave, how about you? I'm taking Richardson. I'm, I'm buying into the upside hmm. that he will eventually come through. I don't think he's nearly as raw of a passer as Malik Willis was no, that's at right. Liberty. And I, honestly, I don't I don't know how much work he's got to do to eventually get on the field and start making some plays. There are some issues that I would have with him if I were picking him on an NFL team. But if he's playing and he's doing what he did at Florida, I mean, that's the stuff that makes fantasy quarterbacks unbreakable. And so I'm I'm going to draft that guy on the hope that he eventually comes through and gives me more than five years of, you know, better than Justin Fields numbers as a passer and just as good as Justin Fields numbers as a runner. I, I, I just want and, and Matt Walden made him on yesterday on the Dynasty show, and he said the same thing. And I can't push back on him because he was a guest, but I can push back on him when Dave says it. <laughs> okay. like there's, there's a Ryan, there's a there's a really big gap between not as raw and or as bad passing as Malik Willis and competent NFL passer, right? <laughs> That's fair, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Right. That is that is accurate. <laughs> well, he's the, he would have, oh gosh, I wish I had this stat handy. Uh, Richardson is going to, if he's a first-round pick, lowest completion percentage for any first-round quarterback. It's in the it, 50s. Is it ever or is it since Cam Newton? It's, it's among the lowest... I, Camps was higher, I do believe, off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, Camps was definitely higher. Yeah, yeah maybe Vic. I don't remember, but it, it might be the lowest it, it, completion I percentage. Like, I think ever. you're right. I think it's Vic. I think Vic had a pretty low completion percentage. Okay, and yeah, I just saw this stat: uh, fewest touchdown passes since Michael Vick for a first round quarterback. I think so. Look, Michael Vick had a pretty good NFL career. It was obviously really good for fantasy as well. Uh, but Anthony Richardson, his passing numbers are bad by first round pick quarterback standards. Is that fair to say, Ryan? And and what you know, he yeah, is such he, an interesting He's also prospect. only started twelve games. And that's the Which is an issue. And that's why he he shouldn't play right away. That doesn't necessarily right. help you for your purposes here. But Dave, you mentioned Anthony I I, I keep having questions to sort of related players. I mentioned Justin Fields. Would Lamar Jackson have been a first round pick, knowing that he was got probably going to sit behind Joe Flacco for a little bit but with the understanding that hopefully he turns into the guy he turns into. All right. Um, well, let's, we'll get into um, a little bit more. No, oh. no, he Adam, I been? did find, I did find a quarterback with a completion percentage in the fifties that was drafted in the first round much more recently than Michael Vick. <laughs> was it Josh Allen? Daniel Jones. Yeah. There's Daniel go. Jones, <laughs> but oh. it must've been higher than Richardson's and Josh Allen. Yep. You're right, Dave, Josh Allen, yep. his completion yep. percentage was like 56% last year. What Daniel. was Daniel Jones? It was fifty nine percent for his career. Yeah, okay. he was literally playing with. And his yards per yeah. attempt were much worse than Richardson's as well. 
Richardson, 54.7% completion rate for his career. All right, more on that a little bit later. I got to tell everybody about K- about the CBS Sports Galazzo Network, the mm. first of its kind. It is free, a 24-7 channel dedicated exclusively to global soccer coverage. It's now streaming on the CBS Sports app, on Pluto TV, and on Paramount+. Plus. Get your morning started off on the right foot with Morning Footy, our weekday soccer culture-driven morning show beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern. Plus, don't miss the rest of our top-notch programming, including live matches and re-airs, original studio shows, highlights, documentaries, and much more. CBS Sports Golazzo Network is the ultimate year-round streaming destination for fans of the beautiful game. That's really awesome. Uh, Awesome if you're a soccer fan. All mm-hmm. right, so I wanted to start with quarterbacks, and then we'll do running backs, and then we will have hopefully time for a little bit of a mailbag later in the show, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Rank your top five quarterbacks for the NFL draft, Ryan Wilson. Okay, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, they're 1-1A. One one Anthony Richardson is ahead of Will Levis for me. I have him, my technical grade is like late first rounder. And then um, I have Hinton Hooker ahead of Will Levis. Like I am out on Will Levis, yep. and that's just that's just where I'm at. And I, you know, I've talked to teams that love him. They love the physical attributes about him. But we were at all four pro days, me and Rick Spielman. And if I had to rank the pro days, be Bryce and CJ were neck and neck. Anthony Richardson was a lot of fun to watch in person, just for the physical things he could do. And then Will Levis probably has the best arm, but he is so built upper body wise he struggles sometimes with being fluid and by that i mean it felt like everything was trying to be a 95 mile an hour fastball when sometimes you need to have touch and and he struggled with that and and rick actually pointed out to me he said watch when he rolls to his left he struggles with accuracy down the field even in the pro day and that was also a thing and i heard he not that he tested poorly in in the um or or didn't had poor interviews i heard that he was he was sort of it was like there's a weird interview process and that could be for any number of reasons most importantly though this dude puts mayonnaise in his coffee. And I think that is automatically <laughs> disqualifying. I mean, I wouldn't even you, do that. Have you ever heard of anyone doing anything close to mayonnaise and coffee? Oh, I, uh, no. <laughs> I'm trying to get, what's the closest? Like, we, I, I had a friend who used to put mustard on sugar cookies. Oh, <laughs> that's bad. That's really bad. It's pretty good. You tried yeah. it? You've, yeah. Too, wow. spi- too spicy for me, Heath. <laughs> yeah, definitely too spicy for Adam. Oh, but it's like a gosh. sweet and spicy thing. Adam's not a spicy guy. That is so disappointing. Yeah. But mayonnaise in coffee is awful. And I'm not talking about a drop. Like, he has a video of it. Like he he yeah. appear, appears right. to be proud of. It's like a huge... I mean, it's like a quarter cup, it feels like. Yeah. For what awful it's worth, sounding. that he, he kind of did that on a dare. And, like, in any interview that it's been brought up during the lead-up to the draft, he goes, no, 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 I don't do that. That was... Oh, one that's time a good thing. That's, not that's important to know, Dave. Thank you for that clarifying. Yeah, no, the, he's not some some sort of like food mashup weirdo, <laughs> but he, he might be a guy that might try a little hard to try and like. That's a great way to put it. You know, yes. impress people. Maybe I yeah. don't know. I don't know. If no, that's, what I, it is that's or not, the sense or, I got. You know, that's... maybe he just gives into every single dare that he gets. But anyway, he's my QB5, and Hinton Hooker for me is QB4. He had the ACL <laughs> at the end of the season at Tennessee. He's older. He's going to be 25 when the season starts if he hasn't turned 25 already. But he's a good player, and I, I think I was talking to Prisco about this earlier, and he was pushing back. But I think if Hinton had come out last year with the production he had this year, he might have been the first quarterback taken. Him or Herman But he is 25, so that's – you know he's coming off a torn ACL in 25, so Hooker – Yeah, he's not going to play probably until December. 
Um, by, by the way, Levis also eats bananas with the peel on. Do people talk about that? Because I've seen. Yeah, that I think that's another dare. another dare. Yeah. How about he quit no, doing he dares and focus on throwing a football? He said, he "You just know, does you're it. right." <laughs> okay, well, it's disgusting. Uh, would you guys? <laughs> would you guys rather have coffee with mayonnaise or eat a banana with the peel on? Oh my god! Do I, I, I would try the coffee with mayonnaise one. Ugh. Where do do I have like? <laughs> Did I grow the banana in my backyard and I've taken it off the tree? No. Or do I have to trust where this peel's been throughout its entire life? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to trust. I mean, I'll make it organic if you want. Yeah, coffee. Okay. Can I do the uh, mustard sugar cookie thing instead? Yeah. Yeah, I think we'd all do that. 100%. We'd all do that. Um, Okay. So I want to ask you about the, the, we love rushing ability, obviously, for, uh, for quarterbacks. And we know Richardson has plenty of it. Young and Stroud are not guys it's like they want to throw first that's great uh but what do you think their rushing upside is can we see more of that in the nfl uh yeah especially with cj like bryce is he weighed 204 he probably played closer to 185 so i don't know if you want him running a whole bunch cj's bigger 63 213 or something whatever you weighed in but here's one of the things that you rarely sort of see in a bowl game situation typically these these kids opt out and you you understand why cj proved a lot of people, almost everyone, that he could run in that Georgia game, the last game. And he that was the best game of his career. And he put that team in position to win the game. They missed a field goal at the end there. But he did so much with his legs in that game that people were like, oh, my God, where's this been? And I think he it was strategic to just stay in the pocket and throw the ball. Uh, again, you have Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Marvin Harrison. You don't need to do a lot of running. And um, But he showed that he could do it. Marvin Harrison got concussed in that Georgia game pretty early on, so he put more on his shoulders. And I, I think that was a turning point in the C.J. Stroud conversation for teams. But he can run is, is the long answer. I don't know how often he'll do it. He's not Justin Fields as a runner coming out of Ohio State. He's a better passer than Justin Fields. Bryce Young is probably the most elusive quarterback inside the pocket. And there's something to be said for that. But he's not going to – I don't think you want him running a lot. He can do it. I don't know. None of these quarterbacks ran outside of Anthony, who ran the four fours. Um, but I don't know if you want someone who's 185 pounds trying to outrun Antoine Winfield in the second level after getting past, you know, Devin White, the second level, so on and so forth. So um, CJ, I feel pretty good about. I think it'll be strategic running for him. Hidden Hooker can run, by the way. He's incredibly athletic. Yes, he, just, he can. He just tore his ACL. We're not talking about it. And Will Levis is tough. Like we make fun of Will Levis, or at least I do. He's he is tough. He played with a a bum toe and a bum shoulder every single week. And um, you can't question his toughness. And, and he is sneakily athletic. I hate to say that about white quarterbacks mm-hmm. because that's almost a, at this point, a joke. But, you know, he stands in the pocket and throws a ball, but he, he'll run and he, he'll he run over you because he's so big. Dave, I uh, haven't heard much from you. What do you want to talk about from the quarterback world? Well, I, I think we kind of we've touched on what each of these quarterbacks can do and how we feel about them. I would like to know if Ryan answered, I, I want to talk about destinations for these guys really is where I'm going with it. And Ryan said that he would take Bryce young and then he, he painted them with the Carolina Panthers blue. Well, if it was CJ Stroud, after all, would you still take him as your top quarterback in a fantasy draft? If he went to Carolina and is that the spot where you think a quarterback can flourish right away? Yeah, so if CJ goes first to Carolina, I might take him first because then Houston is probably taking Bryce. Houston is taking Bryce. I heard they love him. And then the question is, okay, can they turn things around with a new coach? Nick Casario is still there, the general manager, is trying to figure things out. And a lot of questions at the skill position players. Their offensive line actually isn't terrible. And they have Damian Pierce, which is great. 
but you have to sort out a lot of other things. And I don't know. I feel like the situation in Carolina is much more stable, even though they're in a, in a new coaching situation. But you know what you have in Frank Reich, Jim Caldwell. You know what you have in him. He's always been successful and, and been great with quarterbacks. And, and I feel like that's an easier transition, even though, well, they won six, they went six and five down the stretch. So, I, I mean, they're going in the right direction. The other thing to keep in mind, and this is sort of interesting. So if Bryce goes first to Carolina, and I think Mike Renner, PFF, mentioned this, that and I don't know if he was reporting this or just a hunch, but Nick Casario may not want to work with CJ's agent, who is David Mulligata, who is Deshaun Watson's agent. So then the question becomes, if that's true, or any any semblance of truth to that. So CJ then will, uh, he's there at three, Arizona, who's going to trade up, could it be the Colts, so on and so forth. So then let's say CJ goes to the Colts, they're trade up. Because Houston doesn't want him for off-field off field reasons, being the agent situation. Not that he's a bad person. He's a great person. Then Andy versus Bryce in Carolina and Andy having CJ. That becomes interesting. Like, I don't know who I'm taking first there. Because I think Shane Steichen using Jalen Hurts' magic for whoever his quarterback is, that could be fun. Although, if it's Anthony Richardson, I think Gardner Minshew starts the season. But you're talking about for Dynasty, so maybe you still – still feel comfortable taking the the Shane Steichen quarterback uh, yep. over the the Frank Reich one. Uh, I, my final question, I love to spend more time on quarterbacks, but I, I do want to move on to running backs. My final question is, last year was obviously a bad quarterback year, and this year, I mean, I guess there's a chance the first four picks could be quarterbacks. They're going to be, uh, these guys are going to be really hyped up, obviously, but um, are we overlooking a lot of negatives? You're right. I mean, Bryce Young is really small for a quarterback. Really? And, Historically small. Yeah. And C.J. Stroud, I don't know, maybe he's the most complete, but he's been pretty inconsistent. I mean, he was really bad against Michigan, and then he was terrific against Georgia. You've got- I would push back. Uh, his Michigan game wasn't that bad. Really? He, he, he okay. threw two interceptions. One went off the hands of the receiver, and the other one was like a shovel pass. Yep. Um, that was sort of uh, could have been it hit the hand of the receiver, if I recall correctly, and it, it just was slightly behind the tight end, I believe. He okay. threw a touchdown in the end zone that the tight end dropped. Um, so the other game, the Northwestern game, that was played in a torrential downpour. Right. Um, and I will say this: he's the most accurate passer in this class, and I love, love, love Bryce Young. Bryce Young throws with more anticipation, but CJ throws the ball to all three levels with anticip uh, with um. With, with nice touch and incredible accuracy. He doesn't throw with a ton of anticipation. And then you've got Will Levis, who's polarizing. And then you've got Richardson, who's the most polar, <laughs> the definition of polarizing. Sure. Um, what do you, you know, are we overlooking the flaws, uh, especially with maybe everyone but Stroud? Um, because people tend to do that when they want quarterbacks, I think, in the NFL. Uh, what, what's your overall take on these these guys? And you can throw Hooker in there as well. No, that's a great point because a year ago this time, we were all trying to convince ourselves that Malik Willis and Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell are gonna, all going to go in the first round, and they all went rounds three except for Howell who went in round five. Only Kenny Pickett went 20th overall. So you do have to guard against that. And one of the things that Rick Spielman talks about on the podcast is that, and the great thing about Rick is that he'll talk about anything. So he brings up Christian Ponder and, and that not working out. Christian was a great person, but just not a great quarterback. And he said one of the things that happens is that you fall in love with the how smart a player is. And Christian was incredibly smart. But what we weren't able to account for at the time is you can be smart and be not great at processing things quickly on a football field. And that's sort of the the testing they tried to figure out down the stretch. And clearly no one's figured it out because it's it's hard. But to your point, yeah. I mean, should Anthony Richardson be a first round pick? No, if we're being honest with ourselves, not based on what we've seen so far. 
Will Levis, no, not based on what we've seen so far. But when you look, I had a GM tell me this back in the fall. He said, how many quarterbacks in the NFL look like Bryce Young? Well, none do. How many like Will Levis? Uh, all the good ones. I said, okay, well, basically the difference is you can say what you want. You're not getting fired. Guess who's getting fired if I draft the wrong guy? And I got to explain to the owner, yada, yada, yada. So that's right. And you have to sort of sort through these things. The thing this time of year, though, Adam, and, and I mean, you guys know this, you, you try to see the best in people because you're trying to figure out what's best case scenario for fantasy purposes, for your organization as a fan, if you're the GM making the pick. But Bryce Young, the size is a huge concern. I don't care. Again, I'm not going to get fired. I don't think if I have Bryce Young <laughs> go first overall, <laughs> I might. But CJ Stroud, to your point, like you watch CJ Stroud play on Saturday, you're like, okay. He's throwing a bunch of first round picks and, you know, he's doing things, nothing super dynamic. And then you meet him in person and, and you see a, his little edge to him and, and you start to buy into him as a leader. You talk to his teammates and, and they really like him. Anthony Richardson, same thing. When he walked on the set of the combine, he was literally bigger and wider than Will Anderson Jr., the edge rusher out of Alabama, who's going to be a top five pick. <laughs> wow. And then you see him run the 4 4. And then at the end of his pro day, and by the way, I'll tell you guys this at the four pro days we went to do for the quarterbacks, they all start around the 40 yard line of their own 40. So they have 60 yards plus the end zone to work with. Anthony Richardson started at his own 20 and he was just throwing snapping balls, 80 yards down the field. Like he was, you know, playing underhand toss with his kid in the backyard. It was crazy. And the, in the workout, six, four, two forty, he runs down the field and does a backflip and lands, you know, lands at Mary Lou Retton style. I don't know. Heath and Dave know Mary Lou Retton. I don't know if you know. Mary I Lou know who is. Mary Lou Retton is. Okay. Come on. <laughs> but, and you're like, Oh my God. And Rick's like, wait, don't do that. You're going to tear your ACL. I said, Rick, this guy's freaking Superman. He can probably do, do two of those if you wanted to. Um, so the athleticism takes your breath away. Will Levis's arm is, is crazy. But there, you're right, Adam, there are a ton of questions. And if we're being honest with ourselves, the only first-round pick in terms of the way they look and the way they play is probably C.J. Stroud. But four guys are going to go, and there's a chance that Hendon Hooker goes in the back of the first round because of the fifth-year option. <sighs> okay, guys, we'll take a break here. That was great. Oh, wait, just real quick, got a sleeper or two? Uh, the quarterbacks, once you get past pick pick five, then you become a last year's type situation. I like Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. He's accurate. He's incredibly tough. He is not mobile. All, all four of us could beat him in a foot race. Uh, let's see who else. Oh, Clayton Toon out of Houston. He can spin it. I'll, I'll give you uh, Pete likes Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA. He actually threw the ball uh, as hard as I think he was right behind Will Levis in terms of arm strength, which is sort of surprising when you watch his tape. But he's athletic. 6'1". He ran the four fives. And um, he he's a you know high upside guy with questionable accuracy at times. Okay, now we're going to take a break. When we come back, Bijan Robinson and the other running backs to know about. We'll be right back on fantasy football today. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
All right, so what I was getting at with that question I asked at the top of the show, uh, who should be the first pick, it's related to the last question I asked about quarterbacks before the sleepers question is, you know, they all have these flaws. Bijan Robinson, is he kind of a perfect prospect? Is he super safe? And that might be just something that makes you draft him in Dynasty in a super flex league over these quarterbacks. But um, we welcome back Ryan Wilson here, the Oracle, uh, the NFL Draft Oracle for CBS Sports. Got Dave and Heath here as well. Um, Dave, what's your, you first, uh, what's your scouting take on Bijan Robinson? Is Are you basically treating him like he's going to be Saquon Barkley? Yes, that's the comparison. He's a three-down beast. He's got great elusiveness. He's got unbelievable balance. He's tough to take down. Uh, unreal start-stop ability, which is something that I've learned to really trust as a factor for running backs when they come out. Uh, unreal lateral agility, great vision, and that helps him create lots of yards. 6.3 yards per carry at Texas. That's amazing. He scored once every 16.3 carries mm. at mm-hmm. Texas, and he had 104 missed tackles forced, according to PFF, and apparently – his missed tackles force numbers and the grade that came with it were the highest that PFF ever great ever gave out to somebody. And that's coming from a running back who's 5'11 and 215 and who might even get stronger and play closer to 220. He can do it all on the field. He seems to be uh, among the cleanest running back prospects we've had uh, over the last several years. And I don't blame you, Keith Cummings, for taking B. John Robinson ahead of any of these quarterbacks because he is that safe and he should give you five to six years of really good production. It will be especially hard to pass on Bijan Robinson. If we fall in love with where he ends up, if the Eagles do something out of character and they take him at 10th overall, you're going to have a very hard time. I don't know if I could do it in a super flex dynasty rookie draft, take one of these quarterbacks over Bijan Robinson in that specific type of scenario. And I don't even know, like, I don't know that I care as much about landing spot because I think anybody who reasonably might draft B. John Robinson, whatever else they have on the roster is eventually going to be his backup. Um, I do think draft capital will impact it. Um, like we love him. He is obviously a great prospect. The, the only flaw he has as a prospect is that he's a running back. And I think that probably a lot of teams have decided they're not going to take running backs in the first round anymore. If enough of those teams pass on him and he falls into the second round, then I find it more believable. Like if a team goes up and takes him, or Dave said at 10 or or Arthur Smith at eight or somebody even at 15, then I feel pretty confident he's going to be a three down workhorse back. And those are so rare in fantasy. He'll probably do it for the next five years. It's the most valuable thing you can have in fantasy. If he falls to the second round, though, I'm a little worried that they might just be like, yeah, he's awesome, but he's just another running back. I don't think he falls to the second round. And I'll just give you, Dave mentioned pick 10, and I've done this exercise a thousand times for all these freaking mock drafts I have to do. So pick 10, and then I'll list the teams, and you can tell me which one you think is the best landing spot, because I think they're all pretty intriguing. Eagles at 10, uh, the Patriots at 14. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 19. The Chargers at 21, I absolutely love, especially if Eckler's going to moonwalk out of there. Baltimore at 22. Um, the Bills at 27, I love. And I love, I love the Bengals at 28 before the Eagles pick again at 30. And then, of course, 31 are the Chiefs. No Cowboys on that list. Yeah, you think maybe Jerry's learned his lesson? Maybe not. They could they could trade up to <laughs> number two and take him. I mean, we, we don't know. <laughs> what do you guys think? think- Which ones really jumped out to you? Uh, for me, it was Cincinnati 
and the idea of Ooh, the Bengals replacing Joe Mixon with B. John Robinson turns that offense into an absolute juggernaut, and defenses will have an impossible time. Yeah. Dealing with Bijan Robinson because they remember they've got a they've got two safeties on the field theoretically every time they take a snap the defenses do and they've got to worry about getting beat deep so that forces them to play a little bit further back that means there's not as many times where there's eight in the box and it could lead to some unbelievable yards after contact numbers for example for Bijan which he'll get everywhere but that's a high powered offense that is expected to score a lot of touchdowns. And Robinson would get a slew of them there. I would love if Cincinnati traded up to get him. I've been wasting my entire time thinking about my favorite landing spot, trying to think of which running back would be the right one to make the joke that the Chiefs are going to take over him at 31, like they did with Clyde Edwards Lair <laughs> yeah. over Jonathan Taylor. I uh, still oh. have nightmares about. But no, I think, like, if I don't think Kansas City is going to take a running back in the first round, but if the Chiefs took him, that would be, I could see later Isaiah Pacheco. Right. I mean, is there a bad landing spot? Right. So, I mean, no. <laughs> I well, guess for a year, no. I think, I think like a team drafting him that has a guy like Eckler thinking, well, they'll just share this year and then we'll let Eckler move on. Yeah. yeah. Any, anybody who did that where he's going to have to have a 50 50 split his rookie year, well, you're losing 80% of his workhorse years, probably. Yeah, or 20, 20%. That's a good point. Tennessee, maybe if they did something like that. Yeah, Tennessee, the Patriots might do something like that too. Dallas would be interesting. I I think think he'd be the starting running back though, if, you know, right? I mean, don't you, you know, I, I think that's a topic for another day. We'll see where, um, but I want to, I want to make sure we talk about enough players while we still have Ryan here. Um, all right. So, so famously when the Giants took Barkley second overall, Nick Chubb was 35th overall. You know, they could have taken him in the second round. Um, but in between them, Rashad Penny and Sony Michelle went. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think those guys were first-round picks. They wouldn't have been available for the Giants in the second round. But um, you're looking at this running back class, Ryan, what do you think about the guys who are probably going to go in the second round? Do you think there's only going to be, first of all, do you think there's only going to be one first-round pick at running back? And then what about the day two picks? How do you like this class? So Jameer Gibbs has a, has the other chance to be a first-round pick. I think he probably goes early second round. Uh, transferred from Georgia Tech, played at Alabama, and he compared himself to Christian McCaffrey, and he has a lot of Christian McCaffrey in this game. He's 5'9", 199, I think, ran the four threes. We saw him at the Alabama Pro Day. He didn't run because he had run at the combine, but he went through the position drills, and you were like, oh, my God, this, this guy moves in a way that people aren't meant to move. Um, so I, I, I love them and it gives you the versatility of being able to catch the football, which as, as Dave noted, P. John does that as well, but he, he's Christian McCaffrey type receiver. Uh, I love him. Another guy that I like a lot that we haven't heard a lot about primarily because he played behind Bijan is Roshan Johnson out of Texas, low mileage guy. I think he goes in the second round. He's actually bigger than, than Bijan ran a four five, eight, but he plays incredibly fast and he runs over guys. He'll block. Not, that's not a concern for you guys, uh, but he can catch the ball in the backfield, and he's great on special teams. Um, he's second round, in my opinion. Devin Achain out of Texas A&M is a legit sprinter, 10.1800, which I've been told is extremely fast. <laughs> but we talked to him at the Combine, and I said, have you ever, like, even like when you were playing five-year-old peewee football or whatever, have you ever been caught from behind? He goes, I have no idea what it feels like to be caught from behind. <laughs> in my entire life, no one has ever run me down. And he, like, he's smaller at 188. He'll run between the tackles. He's a one-cut-and-go guy, and then he, he'll beat you around the edge because he's so fast. Uh, a couple other names uh, to keep an eye on. Tajay uh, Ty Spears at Tulane, similar type player. Had a great senior bowl. 
Uh, great season. He's uh, in terms of smaller, but but can run and catch. Zach Charbonnet, the Michigan transfer, UCLA. A lot of teams like him. I, I didn't. He's not incredibly athletic, but he's hard to bring down. He runs through arm tackles. He reminds me a little bit of um, who was the guy last year at BYU that went to the the Falcons? Yeah, Algier. 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 He reminds me a little bit of Algier. Algier's a little more athletic, but that type of player. Um, and then who else got here? Let's go with Evan Gray. Uh, Eric Gray, excuse me, out of Oklahoma. Uh, he is a tough running back, and he he feels like a Damian Pierce type that no one's talking about, that if he gets in the right landing spot, could be one of these guys that, that gives you 40, 50 yards uh, as a runner, as a rookie, and, and then parlays that into a, a bigger role going forward. I'm going to get Dave and Heath's opinion on these guys, uh, but I just want to know how you compare this year's class to last year's class, which was really good. Brees Hall, Ken Walker, Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier. We got some, you know, even Brian Robinson. Um, we got some great contributors last year. How does this year compare? This year's class is deep, not as dynamic at the top. I love Ken Walker and uh, Brees Hall. I thought they were very similar players in terms of where I had them ranked on my board. Um, Damian Pierce was getting buzzed at Senior Bowl, and no one was really talking about him, and then he did his thing. Um, you have to, I, I swear to God, you have to refresh my memory because I'm so like, uh, just forward thinking. So you have to tell me some other guys who were drafted last year that had good well, seasons. Paul, he gets you Algier. a list. I want to clarify one thing because you said not as dynamic at the top. Is there anybody from last year's class you'd prefer to Bijan? Um, no, I would take Bijan first and okay. then, and then right. Ken, I had okay. Ken Walker ranked ahead of, of just slightly ahead of Brees. And last year at the combine, we had Brees on set and. I don't know if I guys told you the story last year. Old Jamie Eisenberg said, "Hey, Brees, this guy has you number two mm-hmm. on his." Oh, we his... know this story. Yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks, Jamie. Yeah, James okay. Cook was the third running back drafted last oh, year. I was not a huge James Cook fan. He went the second round, and Bills fans were not ang- were very angry with me that I didn't love James Cook, primarily because he did what I thought he would do. Doesn't mean he can't be great, but I thought that was pretty rich for a second round pick. But what's the difference between him and Jameer Gibbs? Because that they, the measurements are pretty similar. They both weighed 199 pounds at the combine, and that's my concern with Gibbs. People love him. My concern is that he is not going to be a real ball carrier, that he's going to be more of a change of pace guy. What, what do you think? So, like, Heath was making the comparison between Malik Willis and the stretch between that being an average passer. I feel like Jameer is closer to Christian McCaffrey on a scale of one to hundred, Christian's one, Jameer's ten, and James Cook is like sixty-eight. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. And that's no disrespect to James Cook; he's just right. not that dynamic in comparison. Now he's one of the most dynamic people on planet Earth if we're doing that scale. But when it comes down to those three players, the things Jameer Gibbs can do in space and small areas as well, and make grown men not even be able to get their hands on him is incredible. And like, look. I didn't love James Cook coming out to the, as much as the Bills did. So there's also that bias. And he was okay last year. He wasn't great, and that's okay too when you're a rookie. But I think Jameer Gibbs could be an impact player early on. In much the same way as Brees and, and Ken Walker was. Okay. So, guys, other than B. John Robinson, Heath, I'll let you answer this first. Who do you think could be a three-down back in this class? I think there could be a lot of guys. Like, I think there's a decent chance that none of them. <laughs> um, because how many three down backs do we have in the NFL? Like 25% of teams have a three down back. I'm not sure anyone besides Bijan makes I, like in terms of who I like in this class, it's Bijan's in a tier by himself. Gibbs is in a tier by himself. 
And then there's a bunch of other guys that Ryan talked about. And I think like Roshan's a guy who I will probably be higher on than consensus, especially like we've done a couple of rookie mocks and he's fallen into the third round of rookie mm. drafts. And so if if he's going to be available that late, he'll probably be a guy I'm targeting a lot also. But there's guys who are really good at individual things. I'm not sure there are guys who are going to be playing all the time in the NFL. And by the way, Adam, just to follow up, I was thinking about that as Heath was talking. I like Jameer Gibbs coming out of Alabama better than Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris. Wow. Okay. I mean, I was I, I was watching him this morning a lot of Jameer Gibbs, and I just I see an extremely exmo, uh, explosive player. Ran a four three six forty, by the way, mm-hmm. but I just don't see a, a between the tackles runner. Right. Um, but I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what the hell do I know? So do you see? Do you see Jamal Charles or Alvin Kamara? Yeah, that's the thing. I I would lo- I think he can be used in such a in such a dangerous way. Um, to let his skills really be put on display. What do you think about him, Dave? Oh, sorry. I I think that that's the type of fit. And um, Ryan mentioned Christian McCaffrey. He he's got that type of style to his game too. Uh, I I feel like McCaffrey had enough armor on him to handle between the tackles. Maybe that's something that Gibbs gets as well. Uh, to me, it's going to come down to the landing spot for Gibbs. If he goes to a team that uses him uh, the way that we want him to be used getting six targets a week, being, a, you know, a perimeter type player more so than, you know, an a gap runner, then I, I think that he'll come through for fantasy managers on a diet of 10 to 12 carries and five, six catches per game. Does that make him a workhorse? I mean, it's giving him over 15 touches per game. We're looking for guys like that because we're not getting enough of the workhorse type running backs like Bijan Robinson. I'd be happy if he goes to a team that's got um, that type of desire of, uh, for their running back to use them as perimeter type players. And I I think he'd be just fine there. Okay. uh, Two prospects I wanted to ask you about. You mentioned Charbonnet and I wanted a UCLA running back six foot, 214 pounds. You compared him to Tyler Algier, Uh, Sean Tucker out of Syracuse, Mm. five, nine, 207 pounds. These guys combined. Let's see. Charbonnet had 61 catches in his last two seasons, his two seasons at UCLA Tucker had 56 catches in his last two seasons at Syracuse. But from the scouting reports I've read, it doesn't seem like people consider them to be threats in the passing game. What do you think? Are Charbonnet and Tucker just, you know, two down backs, basically? No, Sean Tucker. I mean, I went to a bunch of Syracuse games, um, primarily to see the other teams. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Sean Tucker was a big part of that offense. And whether it's running the ball, he's extremely tough. I think he's from New Jersey. Not that it matters. Uh, extremely yeah. tough between the tackles. He can bounce it outside. Um, he's doing everything for that offense. Uh, he didn't run at the combine, didn't run at the pro day. So I don't know how fast he is on on time speed, but he looks like a four, five, five, four, six guy. And I think he's a day three guy who can who can do a little bit of everything. So absolutely. He plays much bigger than five nine two oh seven as well. And then Zach Charbonnet, I gotta check real quick. You said he I'm trying to think. I haven't, I haven't thought about him in a while. Um, da, 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 da. I think he's he's pretty good in the as a, oh here it is. Never had more than thirteen receptions in a season, um, but prior to the last season. So here's the thing, and this is the thing that we talked to Ken Walker about too. Wake Forest and then Michigan State. Um, and I remember having a scout say I had to go watch his practice tape to see him actually catching practice catches making catches in practice because if the offense isn't built around throwing to the running back, you might just assume that he can't catch. 
and you end up having to talk to people to find out whether he is an asset in terms of his hands being good or not. So I, I can't speak to whether Zach Charbonnet has good hands or not. I haven't asked about it um, just because it hasn't been on my radar. But it could be one of those things where turns out he is really good with catching the football. And Ken Walker was targeted a little bit in Seattle. Um, but I remember um, being told that you just watch the practice tape and he's making making catches all the time at Michigan State. They just didn't do that in the games for some reason. Okay. Uh, Charbonnet, uh, sorry, just I, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to correct the Oracle. He, he, uh, he had 24 catches in 2021. He had 37 catches in 2022. Um, but he look, but he kind of looks like Tyler Algier. That's not the kind of guy that you would expect to be great in the, in a passing game. Tucker, I think I may have mixed it up. I think it's his pass protection that people are worried about, but that's probably pretty common for a lot of, no, he's got soft hands too. Well, yeah, right. I'm saying his pass protection is yeah, hard to protect with soft hands. <laughs> <laughs> Bijan is a is a, an anomaly. Bijan and Roshan Johnson, both uh, you know teammates, are both really good in terms of pass protection. But that is a recurring theme among, uh, you know, yeah, big play running backs. They're not going to block anybody for you. Okay. Anything else you guys want to say about the running back class? I think we got the big names covered there. Uh, I want to know, Ryan, what are you going to do? When the, the NFL draft coverage is over, I mean, you've probably got to write your articles with your winners and losers, and you got to grade every team. But a few days out, how are you going to celebrate? So Monday, the draft ends Saturday. On Monday, they will expect a 2024 mock draft, so I'll have to do that. <laughs> uh, Caleb Williams will be going first overall. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I have to do I have to grade the draft, like you mentioned, and then I'm not going to do anything. Um, Randy's going to call me to do HQ, and I'm not going to answer the phone. <laughs> 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 and I'm going to sit in my backyard, stare at the trees, and I'm going to drink a couple beers. That's all I'm going to do. No golfing, huh? No golfing. I'll let uh, Thomas update me on his pride. I'll live vicariously through Thomas's golf game. All right. Well, thank you for being here, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely. I love talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Ryan Wilson. We're going to take another quick break on fantasy football today. Make sure you check out with the first pick. That podcast with Ryan Wilson and Rick Spielman. Great stuff to get you ready for the NFL draft. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. I have to awkwardly hit the remove button on Ryan. Makes me feel like a total jerk. <laughs> Goodbye, Ryan. <laughs> and now it's just the three of us. Uh, we got some emails, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Heath, before we get to that, what was the most interesting takeaway from yesterday's Dynasty show, which you all, of course, can catch at youtube.com slash today. If you click the live tab, you will see the Dynasty show. There were a couple things, but hearing Matt Waldman explain his process for evaluating quarterbacks, he said, you know, my I'm, I'm known for running backs. And so when I come on a podcast, everybody always asks me about the running backs. He said it was the first time he'd been on asked on a podcast to break down the, how he evaluates quarterbacks. And it was not a, a short glossed over answer. He had really prepared. And it was, uh, it was a nice few minutes just kind of hearing the work that he does. There was lots of other good stuff. Like his number four quarterback, I'm not going to spoil it, but we didn't talk about him today. Okay. Um, he's, a, he's a big Anthony Richardson guy. We also talked about tight ends. It was awesome. Anthony Richardson is a gift to the media getting to debate 
him, you know, a prospect like this. So I just yep. think it's so fun. We have no idea how it's going to turn out, but be plenty of debate. It's it's interesting because we never have any idea how it's going to turn out, but this one we can see that we have no idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, Trevor Lawrence is boring. Andrew Luck, that's probably pretty boring, right? We do uh, Trevor or Andrew Luck is going to be awesome. Um, all right, let's uh, do some quick news and notes here. Saquon Barkley will not sign the franchise tag, according to Newsday's Kim Jones, and uh, their offseason workouts begin very soon, so he will not be a part of that. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was not at Arizona's voluntary workouts. Dave, what percentage chance do you have of DeAndre Hopkins being on the Cardinals this year? 15%. So not very likely, but I can't say 0.0. All right. Uh, Adam Schefter says it doesn't sound like Aaron Rodgers will be traded before the NFL draft. The Falcons acquired cornerback Jeff Okuda from Detroit for a fifth-round pick. Uh, Dave. Okay, that was Barracuda. I don't know how we do it, but <laughs> that didn't sound like Barracuda. Sure, it did. Okuda. Maybe to you, it did. Uh, anyway, Okuda was kind of a big deal the first half of the season. He was playing really well for the Lions, and then he he tailed off. Yeah, he had some buzzards luck in Detroit. Um, there, so there are some redeemable qualities for him, and and very quietly. The Falcons are building themselves a pretty good defense. I'd like to see them uh, take a pass rusher at eighth overall. <clears throat> what else we got? Devin White, linebacker for the Buccaneers, has requested a trade, according to ESPN, and the Bills are going to bring back defensive end Shaq Lawson, and you have written us emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com, and here's our first one. It's from Nick. Where's he from? Boston, Massachusetts. Can you give me a major breakdown of Fab? free agent acquisition budget. I've decided to bring this format to my league and I'm starting to think about the amount for the free agent budget of using $300. A couple questions I have is one, if I'm the only person that puts a bid on a player in which no one else wanted, I would obviously win, but do I have to pay that for the player if I was the only one to bid? And say I want to sign a free agent player Saturday or Sunday morning, am I able to just go on and add the player? Or do I have to put in a bid every single time for the player? Uh, yeah, you've got to pay the whatever you bid on for the player, even if you're the only one to bid on him. That's how blind bidding goes. Uh, and if if you want to sign a player on Saturday or Sunday, your commissioner should have a way. You can definitely do this on CBS Sports of going to add drops on the day of games so that you don't actually have to spend your fab on those players on those days. You just have to hope that those free agents are available on those days. I'm back. And I'm sorry, but you guys mentioned DeAndre Hopkins and I missed it. And I just see this thing about the Jets wanting to pursue DeAndre Hopkins now. Does Aaron Rodgers not think Garrett Wilson's the number one wide receiver? <laughs> oh, I mean, you could still want DeAndre Hopkins. Well, there was a big hubbub over Odell, and then Odell went to the Ravens. And so now, if if what you're saying is right, Ethan, that the Jets are not trying to get in on DeAndre Hopkins, and yeah, they're they're obviously trying to just overload their offense so that they'll be tough to defend and it'll make it easy for Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers will, you know, I mean, he's already dying to get out of Green Bay. I can't imagine they don't need to get DeAndre Hopkins. But if you're a quarterback and you're trying to win and you're motivated to play and your team is offering you DeAndre Hopkins on top of everything else they have, I think you'd say, yeah, I'd like to have that. It would stink for fantasy. It would be great for the Jets. Uh, by the way, just to go back to Nick's question, so t- yeah, you do have to 
bid on every player, and you do have to pay what you bid, even if you're the only player, even if you're the only person in the league who bid. Um, but yeah, I, I do like to have Fab run every day except for Sunday. Not everybody likes that, but if there's an injury in practice one day to a starting running back, we know who the most added player is going to be. It's going to be the backup running back, and everyone's going to run to their computer or their phone. I guess mostly phones these days to pick you up. Can't run to your phone. <laughs> well, it could be in the other room uh, to pick up that player. I still like to have the fab process in place for that. I think you should be rewarded for managing your fab appropriately. Uh, but to each his own or her own. A lot of people like to just have fab run on Tuesday night and then free agents for the rest of the week. Whatever you want to do. No, I like the way that you suggested, with the exception being on game day, you yeah. you get free ad drops. Because what happens if it's Sunday morning and there's breaking news and yeah. one of your starters is out and you need an emergency uh, replacement? You should be able to go to your waiver wire and make that move. Right. The tricky thing is Thursday, though, because I don't, I don't, I leave Fab on till Sunday. So if you need a replacement on Thursday, it is honestly, I don't think it has ever come up. Um, Heath's computer is dying, so I don't think we're going to have him for the rest of the show. But I don't think it's ever come up where somebody said, "Oh, I need Fab off right now. It's Thursday, and this and that." Um, but oh, we, I'm in a league where the commissioner insists on fab every day, zero ad drops. And he, he's the one that's annoyed and bothered because people in the league come up to him and say, I, I, I need an emergency ad. And he, he allows it and it happens every other week. Uh, that's kind of annoying. But, um, if you're going to do that as last point, you, if you're going to leave fab off on Thursday and, and not have free ad drops or no fab on on Thursday, you have to run your first round of fab on Tuesday night. You cannot be a Wednesday night waivers league because then there is no time for the person who needs to make a lineup decision on Thursday to react um, and make more fab bids the next day. Okay. Sure. This That's is from fair. Kevin. Where's Kevin from? Kevin is from Portland, Oregon. Oh, okay. It seems like the majority of analysis has a positive spin during the offseason when it comes to team weaknesses. The bad offensive lines will get better next year, and the new coach will fix things. There's a difference be- between what they should aim to do and what they will accomplish, though. I support the impact of regression, but if the bad teams improve and the good teams stay good, then who will be bad? It would be interesting to hear about team situations that are of concern, though given how last season went with Russ on the Broncos and Geno on the Seahawks, maybe the takeaway is we don't really know who will be good or bad. I mean, that's really what the biggest takeaway is, is that it, it's football, it's human beings playing a game, uh, you you would like to rely on veteran coaches and say, okay, well, Pete Carroll's done this before. He should be able to do it again. We didn't do that last year. We were nervous about Geno Smith. And, and Geno, it seemed like, did not have that job locked up until you know midway through the preseason. And then when he did, we still didn't really believe it. And then he started to play well, and we still didn't believe that Geno Smith was going to be great. It took till like week four, week five. Uh, I remember until I, I saw him play, and I went, that's it. He's great. We should move on and give credit to Pete Carroll. Uh, I would I would hold that grain of salt for all the first year coaches, and there seem to be a few of them, along with all of the second and third year coaches who really haven't done great things. Like I just got done talking about how Atlanta's defense looks like it's getting better. Okay, and there are things about the Falcons' offense last year that I think people should keep in mind when they look at drafting. Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And in theory, they should be getting better quarterback play from what Marcus Mariota was last year. But there's no guarantee that Desmond Ritter 
is going to be improved as a quarterback in his second year or better than what Marcus Mariota was last year. And if he's not, then we can't say, oh, well, it, it can only go up from here for Kyle Pitts or it'll continue to be good like it was for Drake London at the end of last year. So I, it's 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 going to be a situation. You'll take it team by team. But I if it's a team that's got a veteran coach like the Steelers, for example, I would imagine that they will take a step forward on offense, even though their offensive coordinator is kind of a butthead uh, because Mike Tomlin's been there before. He He's certainly better with putting his defenses together, but also knowing that the offensive line is something that they need to get better at. Kenny Pickett being in his second season, uh, George Pickens being great, and Deontay Johnson catching some touchdowns. That's an offense that should be better this year. Uh, and Najee's healthy. So lots of reasons to expect some positive regression for the Steelers, using them as an example. I'll be negative, and I'll say Washington is a team that really scares me. Uh, I think their quarterback situation is going to be really bad, and I think they're going to have a new owner soon, so that could mean a new coaching staff after this year. Just a, a franchise that is in a transition transitionary stage right now. And Tampa Bay also is a team that I think is going to be really bad. They have a coach that just hasn't been good. I'm, I mean, he just has a bad track record as a head coach. And um, obviously, it's a new chapter for them. Mm-hmm. Um, at quarterback, offensive line looks a lot different. Offensive coordinator is a huge question mark for them. Absolutely. Okay, thank you, Kevin, for making us be negative. I appreciate that. This is from Dylan in Chicago. Hello, Stark, Pollard, and the Tiger. Stark, Pollard, and the Tiger. Oh, I know. Tony's. Tony's, yeah. Uh, keeper help. Pick two to keep in the round they were drafted. Keep for one year in the round they were drafted and then future years in their ADP round. So you get to pick two here. Right. Jalen Hurts in the sixth. Tony Pollard in the eighth round. George Pickens, 11th. Justin Fields, 14th. Khalil Herbert, 15th. Jamison Williams, 18th. This is easy for me. I think it's the first two. I think it's Hurts and Pollard. Mm, I'm going Fields in the 14th and Pollard in the 8th. Okay. Remember that the eight, if Fields has a great year, you can't keep him at 14. I mean, he's not going to be anywhere near 14 in future years. No, it's you have to keep him at his ADP, so that would be probably around 5th round. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hurts I would imagine second. most of the time, the players that you're keeping in this league beyond the first year, and this is an interesting keeper format. I kind of I kind of dig it. I mean, usually those guys are probably like superstars anyway. Yeah, but Jamison Williams is interesting in the 18th round because his ADP is probably going to be something around round seven or so. Well, so. what do you what's his ADP going to be in 2024? That's the question. Because you can keep him um, for round 18 in 2023. I interpreted now, it as no, because you're only keeping them for two years. So it's going to be you're keeping them in 2024 at their 2023 ADP. No, and they're 20, I'm reading it as their ADP round of that year. Oh, well, then then you really shouldn't even care about that because you just want superstars. Hence, Hurts and Pollard. Well, no, hence, Fields and Pollard for me. All right, Pollard for sure. He's taking Hurts. I'm taking Fields. I'm who? You're taking Hurts. I'm taking Fields. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you said, I thought you called me Heath. Sorry. No. Um, Frank in Tacoma says, hello, Julian, Alex, and Yvonne. Oh, no, sorry. Julio. Alex and Yvonne Rodriguez's. That's right. I've been playing in a dynasty league that was initially set up with kickers and DSTs, and I've been desperately trying to get them to remove them with a league vote, but to no avail. 
Our rookie draft is when we pitch our rule changes, and I want to arrive loaded with a solid argument to get rid of them. How would you guys approach convincing a league to remove kickers and DSTs from Dynasty? I'm against removing DSTs. I think having defense in some semblance is part of football, and therefore it should be a part of fantasy football. So I'm not going to help you make the argument for getting rid of DSTs, even though it's Dynasty, even though it seems a little silly. Kickers are completely random. They're they're a nuisance. There isn't a whole lot of logic to picking one other than this is a kicker who plays on a high-powered offense or this is a kicker who plays in a dome. This is a kicker who plays with a great quarterback. You can follow that logic and use a kicker, but there really isn't skill when it comes to picking a kicker from week to week and season to season. Okay. If you want me to help you convince your managers, I wouldn't advocate for removing them, but I'm in leagues where they have been removed and I don't miss them at all. So I think I believe me, nobody's going to miss DSTs and kickers. So if you're really adamant about it, it's just what the, you know, uh, then, then that's what I would say. No one's going to care a year from now. Uh, would Frank settle, would Frank settle for a combo kicker DST and then you get an extra flex spot? Sure. That's another good proposal. Uh, okay, this is from Danny in Frisco, Texas. Would you trade away pick 103 for Christian Watson or Jahan Dotson and pick 204 and a 2024 second? <coughs> Bless you. Twenty A first round 103 for Watson plus a 204 plus a second in 2024? Yeah. Um. I think I'd rather have the 103. Okay. And from... How do you feel? You're a Watson fanatic. I'd rather have... In a Superflex League, it's easily the 103. In a non-Superflex yes. League... Right. I think I'd rather have Christian Watson in the picks because I think Jackson Smith Najigba will be the number two pick. And I don't hear anyone getting super excited about any other prospects, whether that's Flowers or Addison, Addison or Johnson or one of the running it's, backs we just talked or about. Or Gibbs, right. I don't know that right now I would value anyone else over Christian Watson. And you never know what that 204. That 204 could be okay. I definitely would rather have the 103 over Dotson. Yeah, I would only do it for, for uh, Christian Watson. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good trade, though. Uh, and this is Sean from the Bay Area. Full PPR, one QB league, two flex, three receivers. Would you trade Travis Etienne, Kadarius Tony, and pick 211 for okay. Leonard Fournette, 1.4, 2.4, and 3.4? Okay. So you're not even guaranteed to get somebody like Gibbs to replace Etienne. I think I'm sticking with Etienne and Tony along with your second round pick. And that is it for today's show. How you been, Dave? I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm all right. recovered from a busy couple of weeks where I was traveling a lot, and I'm really excited about this draft. Oh, good. Up. The NFL draft in two weeks should be a lot of fun. A lot of fantasy uh, ramifications coming out of it. And then it's time for us to start putting together our annual magazine. And there's a lot of content I want to do for that, too. Yeah, I'm excited sure. about the tight ends. 
in this draft. We didn't even talk about them. Yeah, next week. Yeah, there's I mean, this, an interesting group. This it could really be is. the the uh, Evan Ingram, David Njoku. Was that OJ Howard, Ingram, Njoku? Were those the three picks, or was it? It was Ingram and Njoku for sure. Yeah. Was it Howard? I think it was. Were those the three first round picks that year? Maybe, maybe. Um, I can't say for sure that it was. Yeah, it could be that good. <laughs> Fancy. I mean, Ingram is pretty good. So. All right, uh, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for watching and listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow with a buy or sell episode. See you then.